Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad and honored to have Johanna Hofstedt here today. Johanna is working with communications in the finance sector since many years, and today she is head of communications at the fund management Landebofonder. But one day, life stopped when Johanna's three-year-old son got cancer and died. And out of the deep sorrow, an incredible determination was born in Johanna and her son's father, Fredrik Malm. They started Entrepreneurs for Good Foundation, which initiates and conducts concrete initiatives right into the care of cancer-infected children throughout Sweden. The foundation has been a catalyst and has made organizations cooperate more effectively. They have also opened HOPE, a department at the Karolinska Hospital in Stockholm, for new treatments for children with cancer. So Johanna, you have managed to, I think, transform the worst nightmare of many people into hope for others and also to embrace life. And I personally feel that that's an admirable strength and, and wisdom. Where does it come from? Thank you very much, Vesna. It's, it's kind of like this terrible nightmare has sharpened my senses. You know, nothing will never ever be mellow or plain vanilla to me anymore. It's like, um, it's like I'm happier because I've known sadness. But I'm also more sad because I've known another happiness. Either or, I've, um, I've felt an inner guidance from the bottom of my heart that I've had to choose my direction. You know, in my emotional pain, in my huge gap between the reality I was hoping for and the situation that I'm in, it's up to me to choose. And so I have put away despair and I have chosen to embrace what I have, what I can influence and what I can give. I just, I just know one way these days and, and that's authenticity. Mm. But have you also considered to write a book and somehow also communicate about this? You, you, you do a lot already. But I can't help thinking about the fact that it would be maybe inspiring so many people also to maybe even read about it. Have you thought about that as a channel, as a way? Thank you. Thanks for, for saying that. Um, well, yeah, I, I do have an embryo mm -hmm. to a book and we'll see how it continues. Okay. But I, I really want it to be tangible, you know. So if there will be a book, the purpose with it will be to showcase and inspire to the freedom to choose your mindset and, and how to, I would say, embrace resilience. Mm. And what is your passion? Passion, I would say mindset. Mm. You know, in, in research studies, um, they talk about fixed or growth mindset. And within those terms, I would say that my personal insights from life experience so far is to acknowledge the power of a growth mindset. 
That's what's guiding me, and that's what I base my work on. Um, but, but what yeah. does it, uh, the growth mindset, uh, what does it really mean? First of all, a fixed mindset. If you have a fixed mindset, you believe who you are. I mean, that you are who you are and you cannot mm. change. Mm. And this kind of create problems when you're challenged because anything that appears to be more than you can handle is bound to make you feel hopeless and overwhelmed. But if you're in a growth mindset, however, you, you believe that you can, you can improve with effort. You, you embrace challenges and you treat them as opportunities to learn something new. So the core lies in, in how you handle setbacks and challenges. So people with a growth mindset welcome setbacks with, with open arms. But I totally realize that that can sound a bit provocative. I think it's provocative because when mm. you're right there in the middle of a really tough challenge of some kind, it may seem like using your mindset as a tool to handle the situation would be more like running away, not embracing or daring to face the challenge. Mm. And I think here is kind of the fine line, because from my perspective, working with your mindset or your attitude, that is actually the way to face a challenge. But it has to be authentic. It, it has to be based on your inner identity, your, your true self, you know? It's, it's not something that someone else can push you to. You will and you have to find it yourself in, in your way, you know? Mm. And can you give an example from your Yeah, experience? again, I want this to be tangible. So, of course, yeah. Um, so we had this incredibly traumatizing experience when our little son all of a sudden was found with a brain tumor. And in that trauma, I was contacted by a wonderful and, and really wise person through a friend's friend, so I didn't know her. And she, she wanted to help me and, and she said, you know, Johanna, remember that everything in life happens for a reason. And then when she said that, it was impossible for me to take in. It was, it was provocative and annoying because to me, our situation was just painful. There could be no reason within mm. this. But then later on, I realized that the only way not to collapse in our trauma was to fully focus on what I could influence instead of fighting against the painful situation per se. So in that way, there was a meaning to find, yes, and it was up to me to find it and to make something good out of it. So she was definitely right, but I, I had to find it myself through my mindset. It was nothing she could just serve me with. And the meaning that I did found then was to make something tangible out of our trauma that would prevent others from going through the same thing, um, that is losing your, your child in cancer. So Entrepreneurs for Good is a foundation and it's a network that I started with uh, my ex-husband, uh, Fredrik Malm, two years ago. And it's just, like I said, it's, it's based on a call to action to rapidly improve the chances to survival with, for, for children with cancer. We were thrown into that scary world and, and to us it, it was unbearable not to try to make a powerful change. Mm. In Sweden, Cancer is the number one 
cause of death among children and the chances haven't improved at all the last 15 years. How is that possible? Yeah, it's lack of resources. So every day a new child gets cancer and 20% still don't make it. Mm. And um, so this lack of resources just put us far behind from many other countries in Europe when it comes to treatment and to survival. So the purpose, simple purpose with Entrepreneurs for Good is to pinpoint one action at a time that is considered to be the most urgent and powerful in order to, to save more children's lives. And then we go ahead and make it happen. It's, uh, it's, it's been hard work those two years, but also success story that truly fills me with gratitude and, and inspiration. Mm. So what's that success story all about? Yeah, it's, it's a new department at uh, Karolinska Hospital called HOPE. It all started by us contacting the most committed doctors at the Children's Hospital at Karolinska. And we made them identify the most urgent development in order to save more lives. And the conclusion was an urgent need to be able to conduct clinical trials mm -hmm. on the children. There is a large international cooperation for this called ITCC, Innovative Therapies for Children with Cancer. But Sweden hasn't been a part of it because we haven't had the resources to administrate um, clinical trials. So the idea then, together with the doctors, was to have Entrepreneurs for Good raising money to finance this new department. And so we approached entrepreneurs in our network who we thought would be inspired by this chance, this tangible chance to, to make a change. And uh, we then, we based our proposition on, on the unifying strive, you know, among entrepreneurs as we saw it, to change status quo, to solve a problem and to some extent to be rebels. Mm. Uh, because as this was never done in Sweden before to, to start up a new department with private funds. Mm. But raising was pretty slow. So as a start, Friedrich and I, we put in all resources that, that we had ourselves uh, as an initial capital to build the department. And it, it was opened in April last year in 2016, uh, named HOPE. And doctors and nurses were employed <laughs> with a distinct paragraph then that if raising wouldn't succeed, they would continue their employment elsewhere. And then I started to focus more on trying to get the large institutions to, to join in. And um, large institutions yeah, like, uh, like Karolinska Institute, uh -huh. yeah, uh -huh. uh, which is the academy uh, mm -hmm. bound to Karolinska uh, Hospital mm. and also the patient organization Barn Cancer Fondam. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has succeeded. So. I would say that Entrepreneurs for Good has been more of a catalyst, like an engine, mm. to get the large institutions to, to work together on a specific project that is mm. so concrete, like mm. tangible. Mm. And, uh, and now together we have raised guaranteed financing for HOPE for the coming three years. So we've raised 14 million crowns and the target is 25 million within, within five years. Mm. 
and in parallel, I I really appreciate all opportunities that I, I get to meet with entrepreneurs who, who want to make a change. Just an example that um, in this winter, I got the chance to inspire 200 Swedish bakeries. That bakeries? Were, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that were, they were gathered uh, at a conference and, and they arranged an auction mm-hmm. of bakery goods. And they raised in, in two days, they raised one million Swedish crowns. Mm. And then they have kept on because they were just so inspired by this chance that they saw that it was, you know, their money was were just reaching the kids right away. Mm. So they've continued by displaying and selling unique Hope products all over the country, you know, specific cakes and takeaway uh-huh. cups and okay. stuff like that. <laughs> and I keep on reporting to them and telling them sunshine stories from children who are now treated at, at Hope. Fantastic. So I'd like to say that the, you know, the essence of this is that when you build a project, a company, a foundation, a department at a hospital or whatever with a, a strong and really meaningful purpose, it, I, I really notice that it creates engagement and it really opens up the path, you know, to people's hearts. And I feel that that's when change happens and, and we can do it together. Mm. And that's really rewarding. Mm. It must be fantastic for the staff at the Karolinska as well yeah. to be part of this. Yeah. I mean, they're part of that structure, of course, but this is something yeah. separate, something special. Yeah, yeah. In, my, in my eyes, they're, they're the heroes. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I understand also that you are engaged in the startup ABLE. What do you look to achieve there? Yeah, in a way, ABLE is something completely different, but still not really. It's a short for art of beauty and lifestyle energy, ABLE. And it's a community, it's a movement for inner sustainability, we call it. Um, it's like a hub for experts within holistic health on themes like leadership, inspiration and personal growth. And uh, what I've been doing is just to be an advisor to the board uh, for the last six months. and. To me, the way it's linked to Entrepreneurs for Good is just my interpretations from people that I've met during the journey with with the foundation, because it's become evident that people really appreciate authenticity and that generosity nurtures generosity. And, and most of all, people today here in our Western society, that is, mm have a need to really find their inner sustainability and, and you know, not to base their self-confidence on action and leverage all the time, but mm. rather on a personal purpose and then to pay it forward. Like, not in a necessarily grand way, you know, like, oh, my purpose is to change the world, but rather just, again, to be authentic and to base your emotions and actions on, on your heart. So to your question, what, what I hope to achieve is just to, to use ABLE as one out of several platforms to, to pay my own inspiration and insights forward. Mm. So ABLE was just launched as an inspiration provider to, you know, the new lifestyle hotel downtown camper in, in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. Personally, I, I really like their statement. Um, the hotel, they say that At this hotel, luxury is not about 
appearances, but about generosity and spending time together, mm -hmm. inspiration and new experiences. That sounds so, you know, up to date. Mm. Um, oh, so, yeah, anyway, um, ABLE provides different kinds of services within inspiration and, and tangible tools for hotel guests and, and locals. And just, you know, spending time at the premises and indulging in, in the ABLE experts' talks at the event scene and in workshops, um, I think it's quite a boost. So we'll see mm. what happens, but mm. uh, ABLE is obviously expanding. Yeah. And also abroad, or did they they kicked off in Sweden? They kicked off in Sweden, uh -huh. yeah, but but intend to be mm -hmm. definitely international. Mm. Could you tell me a little bit more about the the obvious turning point in your life uh, connected to to your son? This mindset tool that I that I initially talked about it's it's definitely based on what I've learned the the hard way, like the truly hard way. Mm. Uh, it was uh, it was five years ago now that we were thrown into this life crisis um, when we had to hold our three-year-old son's hand through cancer and all the treatments. And then 10 months later, uh, we were forced to feel that sa same hand die in ours. So as little Nelson fought against cancer, his father and I, we were, of course, traumatized and mm. shocked and, you know, in, in, in complete pain. And um, yeah, well, it, it's been four years and, and that pain will never, never, ever ease. And it's an open wound forever. And that has influenced me immensely. I felt that when Nelson passed away, I was completely naked. Mm. Nothing protected me from pure emotions. It's like um, uh, Julie Lind, one of the founders of ABLE, she says that suffering is a gift. <laughs> Which is also <laughs> yeah, provocative as is. such. Mm. I, if I would have heard her saying that then, I would, I would have been offended, mm. extremely offended. Uh, but I kind of get it now because, in a way, that is, uh, because it awakens your, your true emotion and there's no way that you could avoid being conscious. It's not like I would view it as a gift. I mean, come on, what could be worse than, yeah. than losing your precious, beloved, sweet little child? But I can, I can view my suffering as a tool, kind of like a fast-forwarding button to, to awakening, mm -hmm. to to consciousness and, and therefore mm. to purpose through this growth mindset that I talked about. Mm. Because you can only, that I really experienced, that you can only have a growth mindset if you are present. Mm. Could you explain what that means? Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, so in my grief, uh, you know, I I was forced and I wanted to uh, focus on my feelings, mm. like I've been present with them. It's, it's like I've been acknowledging the pain. I've met with the pain so, so I wouldn't have to escape from it. And, and that has sharpened my senses. It's like, it's like a sense of light to, to have sharpened senses. Mm. Uh, like everything is amplified. Yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. 
and and I'm thankful for that. Mm. Shortly after Nelson passed, you know, I I could be on the bus hearing a beautiful song on on the radio like yeah, I remember, you know, uh, Lale uh, Sam Die Young. Ah, yeah. And hearing l- like listening to the lyrics of that song Sam Die Young picturing our precious little boy fighting against cancer and then leaving us in in devastation some die young you know that's just so wrong Mm. so there on the bus the inevitable thoughts of why you know this is so unfair and and those thoughts would would definitely come up but in my suffering, I was more capable of just pure sense of pain. The thoughts, they seemed so destructive and annoying. I mean, why would I think like that? Like, this is so unfair, why? When Nelson, my son, he wasn't, he never questioned anything. Because he had this pure presence that a three-year-old is gifted with, you know? Mm. He was just here and now, even though he was bombarded with harsh treatments at the hospital that would agonize all adults in the world. So there on that bus, you know, in a way I was unable to look out the window because my eyes were drained in tears, but I was purely present too. I I kind of chose not to get hypnotized by an inner drama of thoughts in my head of why and this is so unfair and so on. So instead I was, I was like exhaling and I was in touch with the feelings, which in turn made me present, which in turn helped me to capture and kind of nurture more quality thoughts as opposed to a drama of unconstructive thoughts. Uh, that that's just one example with this uh, song and the lyrics but i went through hundreds like that the first year and and like i said within that is a light and a, a power i like the the way you put it as an amplifier because in that frequency you know that's when the creative thoughts come the thoughts that are constructive and and forward bringing and in that way i would say that Entrepreneurs for Good, the foundation is a result of finding a purpose based on a growth mindset Mm. and creative thoughts that came out of us being in touch with pure pain. Because for us, it was unbearable not to act, not to try to change what didn't work well for us and for little Nelson. But again, it has required us to completely set aside our ego. Many people suggest that, well, yeah, you know, the the foundation, it's like an act of grief processing. But no, 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 no. It's an it's an act of grasping the power of resilience again. And I hope that we can in- inspire others by by showcasing how to transform the worst nightmare, like you said, mm. into hope then for others. Mm. I, I think it's worth so much um, admiration and, and respect what you've done. Uh, and, and then as, as every person on this earth, I mean, we are 
very often all aware of what we should do and how we should think and all that. But very many of us, you know, in, a, in some kind of a daily, normal, challenging situations, we still act differently or think differently and maybe allow this kind of unconstructive drama going on in our, uh, in our mm. minds and therefore in our actions as well. So I'm just thinking how it sounds as if you, you've been through so many of these experiences over the past few years that you've learned to tame your mind uh, and your thoughts and be disciplined is a boring word maybe for it, but, you know, to be disciplined about it. And because you, you so much understand the power in it that you will never do anything else. Yeah. Or do you sometimes feel that, that you fa still fail too in certain situations? Good, good point and, and well put. I, yes, definitely. It's like a constant boot camp, yeah. you know? Yeah. Every day I'm at this boot camp mm. fighting, but also appreciating. Mm. Because, you know, Nelson, he's my master. Children are, they're so pure. Like he was verbally mature and he could express anything he wanted, but he was too young to relate to death, to end, to anguish. Mm. And that was so special. Mm. Uh, so everyone around him knew that he was dying, but he didn't ask any questions. He was just manifesting pure presence. And to me, that is a master, a guiding master, because at this boot camp that I'm participating at, you know, every day, it's pretty obvious that even if we, we think that we are present, you know, we still usually meet the present with the eyes from the past through, mm. through past experiences. Mm. I mean, how could we not? And mm. through assumptions and references. And, and then we do get stuck in, in these unconstructive thoughts. Uh, and I, I, I think it's mind-blowing how a three-year-old is manifesting the essence of <laughs> all self-help books in mindfulness in the world. And I didn't understand it then when I was holding his hand, but I, I do now, uh, a few years into the boot camp. Or maybe I, I understand that I still don't understand. I remember, for example, you know, we were, it was pretty urgent then. We were in, in an emergency room and then I think it was just like 10 days before he passed away and um, he was it was pretty bad. He was in pretty bad condition. And it was in the middle of the night. People were really stressed. Different doctors came in and nurses. And it was like far from being calm and, you know, under control. And then like a third or fourth doctor came in to give the actual urgent treatment that Nelson needed in this really stressed out kind of situation. And then as Nelson was lying there, he pulled out his hand and he, he caressed the arm of the doctor mm. who was just going to give him the injection. Wow. And the, it, it was like the room just, it just stopped. And it was so obvious, the pureness mm. of him just being there. And he was, he was the patient. He was the one suffering. Mm -hmm. But all the rest of us, were, we were stressed out. Mm. So he felt that and he pulled out his hand to caress the doctor's arm. Mm. 
How did the doctor react? Or did he say anything or just He didn't say anything, but I could really yeah. sense that yeah. that went right into his heart. Mm, for sure. Wow. Yeah, Nelson was for sure a master. But if we look at the role of um people that we would define as leaders in one way or the other, what kind of advice would you give to them? Well, that's a great question too. Uh, I would, of course, be pretty humble uh, towards that. But and there's tons of competent and driven leaders out there. But again, from what we've been talking about, and since I'm I'm in the corporate world too, I do see a huge potential when when people feel empowered, when they see and they understand the core purpose of their organization as well as their own role. And I would say then that the driver for this, for, for all this is, is mindset. So to a leader, I mean, what, what will you as a leader need to foster an empowered attitude in your company? What would you focus on to, to get each and everyone to embrace their potential? And then, not again from a shallow point of view, but more from a holistic balance in life and work. I think that it's in that intersection between, I would say, engagement, creativity and balance. That's where you get amazing teams and results. Mm. Yeah, so true. And if you were to give advice to yourself, let's say 15 years ago, what would it be? I've realized that everything in life kind of serves to, to wake us up. You know, people around us are our teachers. Everything happens to, to push us. And we all need our different pushes. They can come through events, through relationships, circumstances. And I think that the fast track to make them into lessons is inquiry. Like, I mean, to question a thought. Like, if I don't like my thought, I can always question them. Mm. So, to be honest, um, I would say that I would never have gained the insights that I've gained so far in terms of mindset and empowerment that I've been talking about, if I would have gotten guidance 15 years ago. I think it's it's totally necessary to go through the lessons you need in your pace. And in that way, there's no fast track. But I'm really grateful that I've had, I guess I've had some kind of presence and uh, capability to be open and, and receptive towards the pushes that I have gotten and towards the, the teachers that I have met so far. To me, it hasn't been easy at all, and it's still really, really painful, but I'm still grateful. And <laughs> okay, so if we put it a different way, like what if I would give an advice now then for, yeah. for the coming 15 years? Mm. Then I would say that Pay attention to my teachers and my pushes. Remember that they're all there for me, but also remember that it's up to me to capture them and to nurture them and to then pay the insights forward. Mm. 
And if we elevate one step further and think about the whole world as such, what do you think the world needs the most at this time? Ah, oh, huge question. Yeah, I know. Mm, and nice. <laughs> I would narrow it down to, I would say, each and everyone's own responsibility that comes with this free, interconnected world, you know, that we live in. Mm. So having said that, I, I just wish for, for all of us to be open, to be perceptive and to be kind. Mm. I like kindness. Mm true kindness, you know, again, not in a grand way, but aligned in your daily life, you know, believe in the good intention. Mm. And if you, if you unfortunately don't happen to see a good intention, then remember to have a good intention yourself. Something else or on, on this theme that I can share with you, Vesna, is um, that Nelson, he sends me hearts. Um, I, I know it sounds spiritual, but why... Do you mean like signs or like... Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's like um, I get them through, you know, stains, uh, formations in food, in, in nature, all over. And in, it's in the shape of what we... In would the shape of a heart, okay. like uh -huh. so sharp. Yeah, it sounds spiritual, but it's it's not a matter of here of connecting to angels. It's I'm saying it because I think it's an example of how I am open and mm. uh, I feel that I have a path to the true, you know, that is free from from trash. Mm. And that's why I really see these mm. hearts every mm. day. Mm. And they remind me of golden thread that I have to Nelson and and his guidance that inspires me to act with mm. authenticity and to be present and mm. be selective and, you know, make my heart smile. So from that point of view, I would say to your listeners, like, who sends you hearts mm -hmm. yeah. and why? Yeah. And who do you send hearts to mm. and why? Mm. I'm just curious, has it happened today, for example, that you happen to see something that reminds you of a heart in your environment that you felt was like a, a message? Last night I did, yeah. I was, uh, right now I'm just uh, totally addicted to ginger tea. Mm -hmm. uh, so I made my ginger tea and in the casserole, there was this perfect shape of a heart from the little bubbles, you know, from the uh -huh. boiling water. Yeah. Wow. I just came to think about one more thing in, in terms of mindset that I could pay forward that really helps too is to make your mindset if you, you know, if you're picturing a growth mindset to make it symbolic. For example, I, I recently bought this new cap that is bright yellow and I bought it because to me it symbolizes the radiant light of the sun and the frequency that I want to be in. So it's been symbolic that, you know, I have this cap, I exhale and I put it on and I feel the radiant sunshine. And then I stay in that frequency when I go into a crucial meeting or, or whatever it is. So that's a way to immerse the frequency goal, you know, in your mm -hmm. everyday life. 
mm. to make it symbolic and really like it's not like you have to go away to a yoga class or go mm. into a meditation room just make it easy mm. incorporate it you know in your daily mm. life mm. but do you do yoga by the way not per se no, no. Mm. but i like to stretch <laughs> um, any other final advice yeah just make sure to give yourself treats every day don't limit it to fridays and and weekends i mean find your treats and and indulge every day because we all know life is vulnerable and short and uh, don't limit the treats to certain days and just go out there and really capture the freedom that lies within choosing your attitude your perspective and just act upon guidance of your your heart because i know that's when you get creative mm. and your like quality loaded intellect comes to you and you can skip all those thoughts that are unconstructive and and also be kind to yourself i mean remember we're all we're all at a boot camp mm. yeah that's that's really so true and and it's so important to think about the as you say the freedom of having a choice of choosing how you look mm. at things how you what you choose to be your reality and what mm. you choose to be your like near future reality yeah. it's really so much up to us yeah uh, and, and of course i say that with due respect to the things can happen that are mm. so drastic in your life that turns everything upside down but on a daily kind of regular basis to realize that you do have the freedom of choice yeah it's empowering and it's also scaring in a way because mm. if you have freedom of choice that means also you have the responsibility and sometimes it's as we all know very easy to be playing this victim role or you know take on this kind of weak position just because it's more safe and comfortable probably than anything else yeah and so. that that's so true and that's i think that's when these symbolic things help mm. those easy things that mm. remind you mm. yeah there yeah. is a radiant light mm. that's the frequency i want to be in mm. I think we're going to contribute to the sales of yellow coats <laughs> or any colorful coat. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, Johanna, thank you so so much for sharing such an important part of your life with us and also for fighting for children's right to get the best help and the best treatment that exists. And um, also thank you for inspiring people actually to embrace life uh, fully. I also want to take the opportunity to invite all of you who listens to donate money for this important cause or your companies where you work. One idea could be actually, for example, a company donation linked to the upcoming Christmas or anything like that. So for more information about uh, Johanna Hofstedt and her work at the Entrepreneurs for Good Foundation, uh, you can head to entrepreneursforgood.se. And also, I truly, truly appreciate if you share this important episode with your network and your friends for impact. So, Johanna, tell me, how was it to be on the podcast? Well, thank you so much for having me, Vesna. I think uh, it's been relaxing and uh, very pure. Mm. I just, uh, I really hope that your listeners got something good out of it. Mm. No, that I'm sure of. Thank you so much, Johanna. Thank you, Vesna. Thank you for listening. And until next time, 
Live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao. Ciao.